Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. Everybody. Rock your body right. Do, 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 do. Backstreet's back. All right. Right, 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 right. But only for a couple of episodes. Jimmy's back. Hey. Hello, everybody. You're watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Wow, you can tell we haven't done this singing in a little while. We did it better when I Skyped in. That's uh, better. Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) The funny thing is the first episode with DJ, I was like, should we do the singing thing? And he's like... I'm really not musical. <laughs> he like really didn't want to do it, and I was like, "Good, thank you." <laughs> All right, everybody. So Jimmy's back in the studio. For those that don't know, Jimmy has been in New Zealand because, um, well, you got kind of a uh, uh, kind of a big thing happened. Yeah, big thing indeed. I am on the cast for the live action version of Disney's Mulan, which is coming out in 2020. They have a current release date of March 27th, but as we all know, those often shift and change, but it's going to be in a year and a half. I've been filming. I've been there since June. I was able to come back to Los Angeles due to other circumstances for a week, and I was like, you know what, Josh? We got to get a couple episodes of the podcast in. Yeah, just to cut you off right there, everybody in the audience, unfortunately, game nights, the schedule didn't line up because we didn't know in time, so Jimmy won't be on the next game nights. But it's a good episode. It's going to be sweet. Some sweet guests as well. Yeah. Uh, but we're very excited for you, Jimmy. The Mulan thing, it's hard to overstate how big of a deal it is. This is a huge movie from Disney. Uh, Jimmy's got a pretty big, meaty role. We're all very proud of you, man. It's super exciting. Yes. Um, and I can't really reveal much details, but I'll say this much. If you want to know more about the movie, just Google interviews with the director. There have been so many things that have been talked about over the past year and a half that you can just find those details out there. All right. Very cool. So today, we are going to be talking about Magic and Commander. We're going to be answering some listener questions. We've had them kind of piling up as you've been gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had less time to answer emails. I want to apologize to everybody about that. We have something like, I don't know, a few hundred unanswered, maybe like a thousand at this point. What we tend to do is go through and just gather up a lot of the interesting questions and make an episode of it. Yes. And there are some really good ones today. But before we get into all that, we need to talk about our sponsors, cardkingdom.com slash command zone if you go to that affiliate link when you order your magic singles products anything at all you really are supporting this show game nights all of our content and also while you're there or if you're at your lgs or anywhere else in the world you should check out products by ultra pro they're one of our other sponsors in fact ultra pro has a bunch of stuff coming out for guilds of ravnica i just realized you're really good at doing all of them now yeah (laughs) i just rolled into it sorry usually we used to hand it off um so in front of us we have some of the sleeves from Ultra Pro that have the guild symbols on them. So I'm holding my favorite, Boros. Your absolute favorite. <laughs> I'm holding maybe one of my favorites, Demir. So I really like these sleeves a lot because they went simplistic with the design. They didn't do a, a ton of crazy stuff. And so it's just the color of the guild with the guild symbol on it. So it's like a red background with a white guild symbol for Boros. Demir is obviously black and blue. Yeah. And so you can use them for things that aren't Guilds of Ravnica, right? So totally. for instance, let's say that you just have a, I don't know, an Edric deck. You can just get the Simic ones, put them in there, and you're yeah. good, even though Edric's not necessarily coming out in Guilds of Ravnica. Well, we don't know for sure yet. He's not a Ravnican person, right? Who knows? I don't know. He's a spy master of Trest, not Ravnica. Where's Trest? Uh, I don't know, maybe somewhere in Ravnica. <laughs> uh, also, these would be great for the pre-release, which is coming up as well. Oh, very sweet. You know, you could trick your opponents, have your Demir sleeves, but you're actually playing Boros. That's actually, that's, yeah, that would totally fool me. Yeah, Until, for, you know, you played one land. <laughs> one land, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you could share one color, so you go uh, Golgari instead. I should also say, if you use our Card Kingdom affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash command zone, you can pre-order Guilds of Ravnica stuff right now. Ooh, so that's right. go on over there and support us. We appreciate it. Another way to support us is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to... Holly Reed. Holly, you rock. Merry Christmas. Oh, we have a note here. So a lot of people have been asking us, where's that Patreon episode of Game Nights? We did that audition process earlier this year, and we chose Jacob Holloway, if you'll remember, as the winner who is going to be on Game Nights. Now, a, a wrench got thrown into our plans. Yes. And the wrench was named Mulan. 
Yeah, it's a weird thing to name a ranch. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously at that time, we didn't know that Jimmy was going to get this opportunity of a lifetime, basically. And so because he's going to be out of town, has been out of town in New Zealand, we gave Jacob the choice. And it was, we can shoot your episode of Game Nights without Jimmy because he's obviously out of the country for a number of months. Or you can wait until he comes back. And Jacob, who's been a fan of the show, he said since like episode five or six. Six, yeah. yeah crazy. For a long time was like, I'd rather, I want to be in the episode with both of you, so I'm going to wait. So we are talking to Jacob. We are going to make this happen. It's probably going to get shot sometime around like December, January. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will happen. So I know a lot of you have been interested in when that episode is going to come out. It's still being planned. It's just, you know, Disney came along and kind of said... You're going to have to wait a little longer. And the big thank you to Jacob for not listening to our first two episodes, which was a review of a limited set. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Okay. And we're about to get at the main topic. But before we do, I wanted to give a shout out. So there was a guy named Marcel Mm -hmm. uh, who found Jimmy and I. We were at an event in uh, Mox Boarding House in Seattle. Yeah. Up at PAX. And Marcel's little sister, whose name is Susie, um, He just let us know that she's battling cancer and she's a big fan of game nights and of the command zone. And Susie, we just wanted to let you know that we're thinking about you and, you know, we're glad you like our content and we hope that we can raise your spirits a little bit. Absolutely. Susie, you're killing it. You're doing a great job. Susie, you definitely rock. You rock. Okay. Let's go on to the listener questions here. We get a ton of emails again. I'm super sorry. It's taken a while to respond. Hopefully this will make it up to some of you. Uh, Normal disclaimer. These questions have, some of them have been paraphrased. They are not direct quotes. Sometimes the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Okay, Jimmy, I'll read number one. It's, I'm currently building a new commander deck that calls for a Chrome Mox and also a Mana Crypt. I'm on a budget and was curious on what substitutes can be made for these. So, and this is from Jared. First question is, what? What's calling for the Chrome Box and the Mana Crypt? Is it just this deck needs to be very powerful, and so we're going to put two very powerful ramp spells in there? Or is it like this deck is very artifact-based and you need to have a mass amount of artifacts to do this? Um, if you're just trying to ramp, you still got plenty of options at your disposal. They're just going to be slower. Yeah, it, that's a really good que- sort of counter question is like the reason that it's calling for these. My assumption is that Jared looked online at an online deck list and you know those were listed on a deck that he saw played and he, and he liked. That I could be wrong. It could be on, on e- my deck list too. <laughs> yeah, it could be it could be EDH rec or something, but usually EDH rec tends not to recommend really expensive cards highly because they don't go in a ton of deck lists. Yeah, exactly. Like Mana Drain, like every blue deck, EDH rec should probably put it in there somewhere, but it doesn't because most people, when they build their decks, don't have a Mana Drain and don't put it on the list. Yeah. Um, so Chrome Mox and Mana Crypt are just very efficient Mana Rocks. Yep. Very fast. I mean, Mana Crypt on turn one is one of the better things you can do in the game. It's pro- I mean, it's better than Soul Ring, right? Yeah. Which is saying a lot. So you're really just looking for anything that replicates that effect, and it, it, may, it probably just won't be as efficient. Yeah. I mean, Mana Crypt, it just won't be as efficient. There's just nothing else efficient like that. Uh, but you could play Signets. You can be playing yes. Soul Ring, obviously, is a one-drop that does the same similar thing. There's tons of two-drop Mana Rocks out there as well. Uh, I think... You know, if your deck has green, then maybe consider putting in more ramp in the green side of things. Yeah, if Birds you're... of Paradise, Lanwar Elves. Yeah, those like... are turn one plays similar to why Chromox and Man Crypt are so good as well. Yeah, and I think that's particularly why these cards are needed is probably, and I'm going to guess, but whatever commander that Jared is looking to build maybe is like a three drop, mm-hmm. which means in order to play a three drop on turn two, you normally have to ramp on turn one in some way. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for something that fills that category. And again, yeah, green's going to be a good way to get those done because they have a ton of one mana mana dorks, as we call them. Yeah. Uh, even something like wild growth or something might be uh, a possibility. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, that's not the reason. And you can play things on turn two, then signets are great. Thought vessel, mind stone. Yep. You might even look into depending, again, on where you are on the curve, things like Basalt Monoliths and... Oh, yeah, those are actually really great, too, because those are explosive in terms of how much mana they give you, even though they are much harder to untap. Right. So those are, I'd say, some budget options for stuff like that. And I want to throw this out there. Our buddies over at the Commander's Brew, Sean and Andy, they kind of have made a specialty out of budget commander, and they often are good people to approach or listen to their content because they've already found all the budget options for what we would consider the more expensive staples so yeah. we always point people in their direction when we can 
All right, you want to read question good number two? question, though. This is a good question, too. From Jason, in one of your videos, you said to keep mass wipes to about five and single elimination to five. I know those are just guides, but I would like to whittle it down to those numbers. I'm building a send triplets deck, something I have yet to do, and have the below <laughs> cards under consideration. I do like Cyclonic Rift and Evacuation for my deck since putting things back in people's hands will let me recast them, but I would really like your opinions on which of these five is best. Send triplets, by the way, is an Esper commander, and you can play cards out of other people's hands. Right. So that's why Evacuation and Cyclonic Rift are good, because it puts stuff in their hands, and then boom, now you have access to them as well. Yeah, now you get to cast it out of their hand right. before they do. That's mean. So he gave us a list of cards, and he wants us to whittle it down to five that we think are best. So he has Wrath of God, Damnation, Merciless Eviction, Supreme Verdict, Terminus, Cyclonic Rift, Evacuation, and Nevinrail's Disc. So on this list, you know, what immediate, like what one would you for sure have in there? Uh, I would most likely definitely have Merciless Eviction in there. That's in terms of it's it's just here's the thing. If you're playing a three color deck, you should be using as many colors as possible. Wrath of God and Damnation are great board wipes, but it's limited, right? Merciless Eviction gives you a little bit more choice. Um, right. Merciless ev Eviction is a board wipe where you can choose, you know, different permanent types and then it also exiles and planeswalkers yeah yeah like that that's actually something that's becoming more and more relevant now in commander and obviously cyclonic rift is an absolute yes i think cyclonic's automatically in right like yeah. if you're considering it and you're in blue it's the most played card besides soul ring for a reason um evacuation i agree with the assessment okay merciless eviction i agree yep so we're looking at a third option here our choices are navinero's disc terminus supreme verdict damnation wrath of god I don't actually like Nev's Disc because if you're going to be bouncing things in their hands like artifacts, that's one of the few things that you can cast to send triplets uh, regardless of the the cost of the card. Because a lot of times send triplets, you're like, oh, darn. You, when they change the rule that you can now generate mana outside of your uh, commander's color identity, send triplets got a lot better. And Nev's Disc, I think, actually goes away from what you're trying to do. Which also, like, you might be playing a lot of mana rocks that are able to tap for other colors of mana, too. So if you're blowing your own stuff up with that, then I don't like that as much. I can see an argument, though, where in Send Triplets, if you play Nev's Disc, what's that normally do? Oh, it stops people from playing stuff? They don't want to play cards. That's actually a good point. But I like you're that. playing cards out of their hand, so right. you're not wasting your cards when you blow them up, maybe? I don't know. It's an interesting question. Because normally... You're not in green, yeah. and blowing up your own ramp is not the best thing. True. I'm just trying to think, because the only way you're really generating colors outside of your color identity are through mana rocks. Yeah. So maybe, but I do like that, though. People don't, but, you know, I guess a better play group would just be like, ask Whatever, gonna, I'm going to play stuff gonna, until yeah, you you're going to play it anyway. So, yeah. Well, we all know the argument. rule for Nev's Disc, right? It's if someone has Nev's Disc, it. you attack them or do whatever you can until they use it, because yeah. otherwise they get to hold everybody hostage. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think the next one I would put in is Supreme Verdict. Yeah. Because it is great that you just know it's going to happen, it can't be countered. Yeah. That tends to be very, very, very powerful. More powerful than the can't be regenerated thing on Wrath of God and Damnation. Mm -hmm. um, I like Merciless Eviction a lot because it's got the different modes. So we've basically got one more to choose from between Nev's Disc, Terminus, Wrath, and Damnation. We don't have Toxic Deluge to choose from. I know. We? And also Austere Command. Oh, yeah. Austere Command is... Also probably one of the best board wipes. But it wasn't on um, Jason's list because I, that's what I would put either Toxic or Austere Command on yeah. there. Toxic Deluge is expensive, so maybe that's not why it's, or why it's not there. Yeah. Okay, if you had to choose between one of the four left. I think mm -hmm. Wrath and Damnation are out, right? Yeah, because you already have the effects with Supreme Verdict and Nev's Disc. Um, well, we don't necessarily have Nev's Disc. Right, right. We're still right. considering it. I think I would actually put Nev's Disc in based on what you just said there. Because an early Nev's Disc will force people to use it, and if people are wasting resources to do that, that gives you more chance later on to... I don't know. Interesting. I that, think, are, that are Terminus. Yeah. Terminus is... I mean, it's a fun card. That that single-handedly is one... It, there are a lot of times when you're playing games... We actually played against a... Uh, at, at Card Kingdom when we were playing at the PAX event, someone had a bunch of enchantments on creatures with totem armor. I was like, darn, we have to board wipe twice, but someone flipped the Terminus. And I was like, oh, that's actually one of the very few cards that can answer a situation like this. So Terminus does have that nice effect where it's like, sometimes the only way you're going to defeat the board is by tucking everything. Yeah, or those decks that are going to regrow all the stuff out of their graveyard, they don't really care if it dies, and yeah. you're like, uh, killing it doesn't do much. Terminus yeah. and Merciless Eviction both help you in those situations. I do think I would lean towards Terminus here, but Nev's Disc is an interesting one, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, veteran Send Triplets players would say... 
Nev's disc for that effect where everyone holds their cards in their hand. So, but let us know in the comments below. All right, but I would put austere command over either one of those. So yes, if you have that, J Jason, look at you. All right, nice. <laughs> On to number three. Hi, command zone. I've only recently gotten into Commander. I just bought the Estrid deck last week. I have a couple questions regarding it. First, why do you recommend removing Yavamaya Enchantress? Are there other Enchantresses uh, just better? Are the other Enchantresses just mm -hmm. better? And secondly, what's the card you'd most recommend putting into the Adaptive Enchantments deck, excluding Enchantresses, if money were no object. Thanks in advance, Javier. Now you have my Enchantress is two in the green for a two two, correct? And it every time it casts it's enchantment it, it spell? gets plus one plus one for each oh, enchantment. That's right. in play. Okay, so it's not an actual draw card. It's not an enchantress as we name it. Yeah. Which is why Javier may be getting confused here. So the enchantress is when people say enchantress, they mean the cards that say whenever you cast an enchantment or whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield, draw, draw a card. card right? yeah. That's what I thought this one was, which I was yeah. like, why did you remove it? No, I would never recommend removing one of those cards. This is a card that just kind of gets big based on how many enchantments you have. Right. And hey, what do enchantments normally do to your creature anyway? Make them big. Make them big. So yeah. it's a little redundant. It's just that's not likely to be anything you're too worried about doing. Either your yeah. enchantment is making something big, or it's a value enchantment like Sigil of the Empty Throne. You don't care if you got another big creature with that. You just want to cast more enchantments. And there is another card in the Estrid deck that does do that. When you cast the first enchantment spell of the turn, you Tuvasa. draw a card. And it, yeah, and it already gets plus one, plus one for each other. And, and that, that's just strictly, you know, even though it's a harder to cast card, it's ten times better than you have my enchantress. Because it, it draws you cards. Yeah. So, yeah. I just think you have my enchantress is too one note, and it's not worth it. So here's the second question. What's the card you'd most recommend putting into the Adaptive Enchantments deck, excluding Enchantresses, if money were no object? Well, obviously, Mana Crypt. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, <laughs> a good one. It's never going to be bad. Sarah Sanctum, right? Sarah Sanctum. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it, I think. Yeah. That is the land that taps for mana equal to the number of enchant enchantments you control. It's Enchantresses Gaia's, yeah. you control. <laughs> it's Gaia's Cradle for Enchantments. It's it's just super super good in the deck. It's unfortunately on the reserve list and going up in price. So if you want one, grab it fast. Yeah. Carkingdom.com slash command zone. Actually, I don't even know if they have any in stock. Check yeah. it out. Yeah. Okay. Question number four. My play group doesn't ever seem to take advantage of chip damage to help further the progression of the game. They always sit back and build for an alpha strike. So our game sometimes can take significantly longer than they should. Or when I try to get in chip damage to lead by example, I get dogpiled on and get taken out first. What is a good way to try and bring this up to my play group? Says Rami or Rami. Or Rami? Rami? I don't know. Sam Rami? Rami Malik. Rami. Rami, Rami. Rumi. <laughs> um... So is using chip damage to mean that little bits of damage you get in early in the game, usually I'm just chipping in for like yeah. two or three with, a lot of times you play, I don't know, Thrasios or one of these two, Reese or something, and it's like, I can't use yeah. them yet, and I'm just going to swing in for one or two. Uh, I, I do think it is kind of important to, because our play group used to not do that. Because I, I think, think a lot of play groups don't, to be honest. A lot of like earlier on, sort of like, I'm just going to build this sweet thing. Yeah. It's going to hit everyone once and end the game. And I don't want to make anybody mad, so I'm not going to... And and it requires a little bit of a culture change in your playgroup, and a lot of doing that is just desensitizing people to it. Mm -hmm. And so you're doing the right thing, I think, Rami, Rami? Rami. I'm just going to call you Rami. I'm sorry if that's wrong. By leading by example, and you just kind of got to take your lumps as far as like if they attack you back, and just be like, when you do it, you might mention what you're doing. I'm yeah. just going to... I can deal two damage here, and I don't just want to throw it away, and you know, I'd like to play more games tonight, so... I just want life totals to go down sometimes. Yeah, I think that's one of the best things to say, which you say a lot, which is like, I'd like to play as many games tonight as possible instead of a couple of really long ones. And also, I think when you do it, it can. I've seen it work just people, you know, you're in the early turns of the game, like, all right, I'm going to hit you for one. Okay, pass turn. Yep, just do it like, I mean, it's nothing. And literally, as soon as you say it, pass turn, to not really give room for the like, why are you doing that? And if they do, it's very much just like it's one damage. You want to hit me back later, you can. Yep. But if other players start dogpiling on you for it, I think it's kind of, I mean, it is illogical. So it's definitely something that you kind of just have to do and hope that people just eventually figure out that it's not as big of a deal as it seems. You could do the dice rolling thing too. I think that yeah. sort of mitigates a lot. We've talked in many episodes about like the counter side of this, mm -hmm. of like keeping the grudge and not letting people off the hook. And like, this is all a game of cat and mouse, a little bit of, you know, parry and post and repost. Yeah. Uh, but... I think you can easily get to the point because we did in our play group where it's just kind of accepted that like one to two damage here is going to happen. And it's good. Everyone's going to be have taken four or five. 
you know, early in the game, and we're going to be moving along. Yeah. We're moving along. We're getting towards... Once you start smacking people for five to seven, then yeah. sure, like, things can be a little more heated. But... Or if it's, like, the third time in a row. I think, yeah. too, like, the third or fourth time in a row you hit somebody, so you're not split spreading the love, yeah, as it were. But I think you can desensitize your playgroup, but you need to be communicative. I think that's a big part of it. It's just say what you're doing, why you're doing it, and then when they, if they dogpile on you, be like, you know, I'm just trying to like, I have two damage. You know what? You have no blockers. Like, yeah. 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 <clears throat> okay. Question number five. My question is on your opinions on running Leyline of Anticipation over Vidalcan Ori in a blue deck. Is the small chance of getting Leyline off on turn one worth the slightly more restrictive mana cost? This is from Dominic. Why not both? I think I get this a lot. Anytime I talk about Vidalcan Ori, people go, no ley line of anticipation. Listen, I know, yes, I know that card exists. It just, not every deck is blue. Yeah. But if your deck is blue, and I would say almost every deck that wants Vidalcan will play ley line. Yeah. If it's got blue in it, unless the only time I think about it, if I'm like five color, maybe four color, just because double blue might be hard sometimes. Yeah, blue's similar to black in that a lot of the cards acquire two, like a lot of the more powerful cards require like multiple blue sources. So in general, I don't think it's going to hurt your mana base too much. But yeah, if you are five color or so, it's going to be a bit hard to pull off. But even then, in five color decks, usually Simic's the base. Yeah, usually usually blue is like one of the colors you want, you have the most cards of. Yeah. And so usually if you want one, you want both. Tends to be that blue is a powerful color. And uh, it's good in EDH. And if you want one blue card, you're probably going to want a few of them. That's Especially because the older the cards get, the more powerful blue does. I mean, people don't, maybe a lot of people don't realize this, but back in the day, the color pile was not very balanced. And blue was just, it was a powerhouse of a color. You can do everything in the old colors. Yeah. Direct damage, card yeah, it could draw, ping. removal. See, random blue pingers? What yeah. the heck? It was just like not fair. It yeah. even could like destroy lands and crap back in the day. Like it's oh, insanity. Yeah. I mean, just look at the. All you have to do is look at the original power five yeah. of the like sort the of one, one, drop, instance. one minute instance. Yeah, and blue has the one that just draws you three cards. Ancestral recall. Or actually, any player. Sorry, not just you. <laughs> okay, uh, number six. Ah, if you don't mind me asking, what is the brand of the microphone you use? My girlfriend is about to start working, doing some audio demos and podcasts, and I want to gift her a good microphone. This one is for you, Jimmy, because people always ask me this kind of stuff, and I'm like, you got to ask Jimmy about the equipment. <laughs> yeah, so I will say this much. it's The microphone does make a big difference, especially if you're going to be doing audio demos and sending them to people. Um, but also, there are a lot of ways to mitigate that cost with just niftiness. Um, so what we have in front of us are Shure SM7Bs. They're a bit on the pricier side. They're universally regarded, though, as one of the best microphones for podcasting. If you guys watch other podcasts on YouTube or wherever, you'll usually see this microphone. Or, forgive your ears for a second, it'll look more like this, which has like a metal base on it. But the reason that these sound good is because we are in a room. You can't see it, but there's sound paneling all across the walls to help mitigate echoes and stuff. So we're getting a nice clean signal. For a long time, Josh used this blue Yeti microphone here. And this is not as good of a microphone. It's not going to pick up as clear of a signal to get the like the deep, deep, deeps and all the clear sibilance tones. But Josh built like a little mini cave for it with blankets and pillows, and it sounded great. Yeah, so I like what you said about the soundproofing. You can spend a lot of money on a microphone, yeah. and that's going to definitely help. Um, but if you put that microphone into like a square room with hard walls, you're in a big room with hard walls. Yeah, a really big room with high ceilings or something. The echo is going to come back. The microphone can't help but pick up that that reverberation, that echo yep. sound. And that's going to make your stuff sound really echoey, really tinny. Yeah. Not great. What you really want is to deaden the bounce back of the sound. And so Jimmy was talking about we have soundproofing on the walls. You don't need to buy expensive soundproofing stuff either. A lot of times blankets and pillows will work. Mm-hmm. One thing I used to do when I was on the show um, in response with uh, Prof, we would record that in my one of my rooms in my house, and I just wanted all my sealed product as the background because we yeah. didn't have a set or anything at that point. That yeah, was yeah, a couple yeah. years ago. And I would literally take all the cushion, cushions off the couch and just line them up against the wall in that room behind the camera and everything. So as I was speaking, it just wouldn't bounce back and the mics wouldn't pick it up. Yeah. And so realizing the environment you're in not you know outside of the mic can really help your sound and if you just look up like homemade um 
sound booth. Yeah, homemade sound booth, or some people do it in their closets as well to yep. record because the clothing. So you can you can take a blanket, literally flip it over your head. So you're it's like when you're a kid at night, staying up late, yeah. reading the comic book by the flashlight. Just do that with a microphone and read within that, and it'll sound a lot better too. Yeah, and the basics behind what's happening is very similar to what light does. So yeah, I have a light and I have a white piece of paper, and if I shine the light on the paper, if you guys are watching the video, you'll see that. It's hitting his face. It hits my face. And so what it is, is it's literally the reflection of the light back at me. And so when you talk, anytime you say something or in a room or you speak, the voice and your sound is going out and it's going to hit everything and then bounce back at you. So that's why you're putting this stuff in front of you is you're basically giving a place for the, the voice and the noise to hit and just not bounce back as much. Because if you're speaking of your t-shirt, you're going to muffle yourself a little more. You're not going to be able to have the voice pass through. And so that that's what's causing and creating a better environment for you to record in. So if your girlfriend wants to do audio demos and podcasts, I would recommend Josh's website or the, the microphone that Josh got is from Blue. They Blue have a Yeti. Lot of, yeah. yeah, Blue Yeti. They have a lot of microphones for on the cheaper side. They have a snowball, which is fine too. Yeah. And, and then look up on YouTube or whatever, how to make a sound booth. And if Yeti or Rode or Sure would like to sponsor the podcast, <laughs> we're right here. Um, we got enough sponsors. Like we just said, it's not about the microphone. It's about the setup of the room you're in. And it's also about the microphone. So we can, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll fit the, the sponsor message. Just let us know. I also am a, a music sound guy. So I would love to get more microphones anytime ever. It's like collecting cards, honestly. It's like, hey, Josh, do you want this awesome card and this awesome card and this awesome card? Sure do. It's like microphones. That's you. You know you're a sound nerd when you're collecting microphones. Yeah. I'm just like which whatever whichever one Jimmy puts in front of me. Yep. Pretty much. Okay. Uh, question number seven: Are you guys gonna do some shows, breakdowns, or even maybe some game night content surrounding the com anthology? Sorry, the Commander Anthology Two Precon set. This is from Tim. Uh, here's the thing, Tim. That anthology has a bunch of decks that we have covered. Yeah. So that's the problem is that like those precons are the same as the precons when they came out. And you can find those episodes in our backlog breaking down those decks. So that part of it doesn't make us a lot of a lot of sense for us to do because if we take the Calumny deck, what are we gonna say? We're gonna say kind of the same thing we said. Yeah. I mean you could compare it in context to the rest of the box, but these anthologies are coming out essentially to help bring back some of the more wanted decks from Commander's Past. A lot of the cards, like Blade of Selves, to get out yeah. there or whatever. It's yeah. like another intro point, too, for someone that maybe didn't have a chance to collect them back then or missed out on a couple of the Commander series. And maybe every year you only buy one of the pre-cons. So it's not, the decks aren't balanced against each other. Um, they're, they're all going to have different cards. They're, some of them may have new art and stuff, and that's cool. But like the things that we would cover, I don't think would be a particular interest to our audience. Um, it's not to say that we have had a lot of people ask us about it in the past. So if there is something that you think that we could do about it, then let us know. Maybe there's some sort of auxiliary way that we can talk about. But like Josh said, we've already talked about a lot of these cards. And to and address yeah. the Game Nights thing specifically, I think there's a chance in the future we would take, you know, if Commander Anthology 3 comes out, there's a chance we would play it on Game Nights. It just depends on the schedule. And this year mm -hmm. has just been pretty packed with so much, you know, Battle Bond came out and that kind of was in a slot that was close to Commander Anthology 2. Right. And we did, we missed that too, just because of so much stuff coming out. We we can only do one a month and, you know, we're, we're just picking the ones that we think are, are going to be the best and sometimes we're going to miss some stuff. I wish we could do them all. Maybe with some additional bonus, con bonus content that we're working on someday yeah. we can get a to the point where we're doing stuff like that. Yeah, and if are you guys interested in watching streams potentially? That's something that we've sort of thrown around the idea of of streaming games of Commander because it, you know, obviously it's a much less requires a lot less setup than what we normally have. But it's let not us like two hundred hours of work. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like maybe fifteen instead to set it all up and do all that stuff. Okay, uh, question number eight. My playgroup likes the partial mulligan. I think it's pretty broken and allows players to cheat on deck building by playing fewer lands and higher costed spells without much downside. Unfortunately, I'm in the minority and I don't want to build my deck to take advantage of this. So what should I do? Thank you, Travis. Uh, the partial mulligan was an old rule in Commander where you would draw your open seven cards and you could send any number of them back into the deck and draw that many to get back up to seven. So you could basically draw a hand of like seven lands or you, and you'd be like, I only need three of these. Throw four of the cards back and draw four. Or you could draw a hand of like Soul Ring, Mana Crypt, no lands. Throw everything back and try and draw lands. So it resulted in, like you said, decks where you could play less lands because you could you had less of a risk of drawing a bad hand because you could partially mulligan your hand away. 
and Travis doesn't want to build around that. This is a tough one when your playgroup wants to go in a direction that you don't want to go in. Yeah. Especially because this does really affect deck building. It's one of the things we've talked about a few times on the show, which is like back in the old days, I think you could run 31, 32 lands in a lot of decks, and now we we sort of recommend 37, 38 because of 31 lands. Yeah, Jeez. but that's because of the mulligan rule. Yeah. And that's a big difference in deck building. That's five cards maybe that are in your deck that couldn't be there before. Mm-hmm. That's one of the hardest parts about deck building is cutting out those last little cards. Yeah. And and I don't know. Do you have any advice for trying to... Like, it's hard to try to convince people of things. Like, yeah. You could... I mean, here's the thing. You could just play more green and have your deck have a lot more mana ramp in just normal ways that green decks normally do, right? So it doesn't... So, like, you are still... Because in that case, you know, if you do have a bunch of mana dorks and a bunch of ramp spells, you can play slightly less lands in your partial mulligan hand. Um, without feeling like you're really abusing it, just because green's the best color at recovering from that kind of thing. But it's tough. If your playgroup's doing it and their decks are significantly more powerful than yours, and they're probably, I don't know, at least 10 to 15% naturally better because of this, it's going to be hard to catch up power-wise without having to play on their playing field. I mean, if you've talked to them about it and they don't want to do it, and I know you say in your thing, I don't want to build my decks to take advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, that's the rules for the playgroup that you're playing in. Like, if it was me, I'd be like, you guys don't want to do partial pairs? Okay, that's fine, because yeah. there's four of you and there's one of me or whatever it is. So now I'm going to build my deck for partial pairs then. And if they want to do it. I mean, that's what they want to do right now is partial yeah, yeah, pairs. Yeah. Like, right? I think you're kind of... I mean, I hate to say it. Uh, what's his name? Travis? Travis. I hate to say it, Travis, but I think you're sort of missing out then if you're not just going with that rule i get it if you have a couple play groups you play in mm-hmm. that can make it really inconvenient because you do you really want to have like these decks i can play in this play group and these decks i can't because you know i have 38 lands in this one and yeah. it just won't be as good it's a tough situation to be in i mean partial paris like combo decks are going to be a little bit better mm-hmm. there's um there's a bunch of like old tier one commanders like uh co- competitive edh players will tell us that like narset under partial Paris is a tier one deck, but oh, under not partial Paris yeah. is not. And that just shows you that there's a really big difference between the two. Without taking advantage of it, I don't know how you convince them if the, if words didn't work. Because the only thing I could think of trying would be like, okay, fine, I'm just going to build combo decks because and, yeah. and sort of show you why it's broken to do it this way. A lot of people still like partial Paris, though. And and we played just fine for years with it. I prefer it without, but honestly, if they'd never changed the, the rule, I don't think you and I would be sitting here going, like, that rule needs to change. Yeah. yeah. Just so, because it's a 100-card deck and the variance is a lot higher as a result. I don't know. I mean, you could also just really try and build to the meta to try to beat those decks, and I don't know what exactly that is, but maybe it's more counter spells. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, mass it's land tough. destruction. They're gonna play it just, that just feels bad because then you're underpowering your decks to make it better against a meta that will inevitably not always be the same. Maybe build like a wheel deck. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, play some wheel effects. Because they're going to be really bad against like a turn two wheel of fortune or something because they just have less lands in their deck yeah. probably. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. much higher chance of wheeling them into a hand that just doesn't have land in it or something. <laughs> that seems pretty... Wait, that's great. I like that as a result. <laughs> I think that's my favorite option here. Just play I don't wheel of fortune. Yeah, I don't know, Travis. That's a tough one. I mean, I would continue to talk to them, but at a certain point, like you just kind of have to bow to what the majority of your meta wants to do if you want to keep playing with them. And that's, you know, those kind of compromises are just part of... The human experience and we all have to do it to some extent in a lot of things that we do mm-hmm. okay um is it my turn yeah question number nine my question is this in my commander playgroup, i'm normally the target for a lot of different things damage spells huge creatures the list goes on when i do something black when i do something bad i'll gladly accept being targeted I know what I've done, (laughs) but most of the time it's just because I'm me, not because I have a commanding board state, not because I've talked my decks up, just because I'm me. I've tried increasing the power level and speed of my decks so I can keep up with the hate, but it still doesn't work. What should I do? Wait, what are you doing that makes you every time though, Aaron? There has to be a reason, right? Unless it's like we just want to bully Aaron, which would suck. In which case I wouldn't be playing with those guys as much. But is there a re in the past, has there been something that you've done? Because I think if you can find the root of what's going on there, you may be able to decode why exactly they're always just targeting you for being yourself. I mean, we find in situations like these that the overwhelming the 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 majority of the time the reason that this is happening is because you were dominant for a while. Yeah. 
Um, and playgroups will usually adjust towards the one dominant player. And, you know, they're going to adjust by like, well, when they stick in the game, they win. So our answer is don't let them stick in the game. Yeah. And I think it's a good chance that Aaron falls in this category because of the statement, I've tried increasing the power level and speed of my deck so I can keep up with the hate and it doesn't <laughs> work. That tells me that's the direction that you're trying to go in, which is not going to work out great for you because... As soon as people see that, that just gives them more reason to hate you. Yeah, it's just actually doing more harm than good because they're like, look, deck's even more powerful now. Now we have even more reason to take you out yeah. early and take you out first and team up on you. I would almost go the other way and try and build more whimsical stuff, stuff that's not trying to win. Yeah, s support decks in a lot of ways, things yeah. that just want to maybe cause a little chaos or whatever. Do not pure chaos. If you're playing Warp World, you're going to get targeted too. But. Yeah, because people want their their decks to still work, but just that are doing silly things, you know, stuff that just doesn't seem as threatening. Things where like I don't know, all the creatures in this deck have hats, or like <laughs> you know, and you you do that for a little while to try and reset your reputation a little bit as like yeah. a player. This is my one of my favorite quotes I say on the the show all the time. You got to give action to get action. Giving some action may mean, you know, not being super competitive for a little while to kind of get mm. your play groups, their threat meter, let it reset. Yeah. I think people think like, if I do this once or twice, it'll do it. No, you have to do it for multiple play sessions, depending on how dominant you were for so long that got you to this position. Yeah. And politicking obviously helps a lot here too. Um, if you can decode exactly why they're doing it and then be like, guys, I'm not actually playing that deck right now. And I mean, like, again, it depends because... If they're really good friends of yours and you're like, guys, you're making me actively not have any fun anymore. I don't want to play with you guys. That could be enough to change. Yeah. Uh, other play groups might not work as well as that to say something like that. So I think it just depends a lot, Aaron. But yeah, definitely figure out why it is that you've, you're always being targeted and actively work against that specifically. Yeah, but there's a really good chance it's because your decks are too powerful or you at some point were too dominant. So yeah. don't go in the direction of building more powerful decks because that's actually going to exacerbate that problem yeah for you. yeah okay question number 10 my meta is quasi competitive and runs a lot of removal single target and otherwise there's an average of seven to ten global wipes i'm assuming per deck due to this there will be times where i won't be doing much of anything two other players will be duking it out and all of a sudden toxic deluge after that, I'm just completely out of the game. I've played out my good cards and can't come back. The question I have is, what should I do about this? I'm not a blue player, so counterspelling is kind of out. Uh, card draw is also kind of out, in that case, Joshua, which is usually one of the better ways to recover from board wipes or things that really get you like that. Well, I don't think card draw is out. Like, I think you probably need more of it, right? So that more, when, yeah. you're, when you're committing to the board, you're making sure you still have a, a, a hand that has a lot of gas because you're saying, if board wipe happens... I got more stuff to play out directly afterwards. Yeah. But this is a lot of board wipes. If everybody's packing 7 to 10. Yeah, that is kind of tough. I mean, you've got cards like Teferi's Protection. You have cards that are able to protect yourself, give your permanence. You can play like Cauldron of Souls. Fates or Reward. Yeah, stuff that gives your stuff indestructible. Um, what's that one in the green? Heroic Intervention. Heroic Intervention, yeah. So there are other ways of, of playing anti-board wipe spells. But honestly, a lot of the times, I think you just... Maybe there are ways to play cards like Ghostly Prison and things that aren't as affected by the globals, but also make sure you don't die very quickly so you don't have to expend your best cards immediately and then just get destroyed. Yeah, I like that last piece of advice the best here. If my meta was very, like, every deck was playing a lot of board wipes, I would try and look for, like, what those board wipes are. And most of them, hopefully, are, like, creature-based. And then yeah. I would... I would build some decks that are not creature-based. And there are styles of decks that don't require committing a lot to the board. Mm -hmm. You know, green-based stuff is going to put lands out. That's mostly unaffected. So I would think a lands deck, a deck that's going to play a bunch of stuff, rampant gross, cultivates. We've talked about how these are loopholes in the system. It's yeah. even better when someone else is wiping the board constantly because the way that you would normally punish me taking turn three, four, and five just to put more lands in play is to attack with creatures. Well, if somebody else is just going to wipe all the creatures all the time, I'm not going to be punished for that. And that means my advantage later in the game is going to be huge because I'll have 12 lands in play when everybody else has six. Yeah. And that's a way to take advantage of, you know, look for things that aren't going to be affected by the board wipe, like strategies and card types, and try and play more of that. And maybe an instant and sorcery style deck is going to be really powerful because those cards do what they're going to do directly from my hand. They're not affected by a board wipe. Mm -hmm. um, I would also definitely say 
not playing blue is an issue, but counterspelling isn't always the answer either, because in that case, you and the other player both waste a card and two other players don't. So you're still at a disadvantage if you do that. So like Josh said, things that play around these strategies are going to help out a lot more. Um, also, sometimes it helps to be the person that is the board wiper. Maybe you're not playing enough board wipes. Maybe you're the one that's like, well, you know what? I don't have any other options, so I'm just going to play out the creatures in my hand. And that could be disastrous for you as well. Um, there's also sandbagging. Depending on yeah. how threatening the board is, you don't need to come out of the gates rolling, especially if you know that three players have a very high chance of being able to destroy everything you've just done. So Yeah, that's a really good point, too. Bait which out is, the, the board wipes if you can. Yeah, not everything is solved by deck building. A lot a lot of times this stuff is solved by play sequencing and their, your in-game decisions. And yeah. so not committing to the board to the point where, like, if you're playing something and you think in your head, what if they play a board wipe? After I play this, am I just done? Don't play it then. Make them have an answer to what you've got. So maybe you've got a creature and it's a threat and it's swinging at them. And in a meta with a lot of board wipes, I don't need a second creature out. I'm just going to swing with this one. They they board wipe. Then I put another threat out. Mm -hmm. And now I'm making them use a board wipe on one of my things rather than five of my things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is going to do it for our listener questions here. We're going to save a little bit of time at the end because we want to talk to Jimmy about Mulan. Now, we don't want to get anybody in trouble. But for one thing, you're in pretty good shape. I'm in pretty good shape. I was playing basketball yesterday, and I was at no point out of breath. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, my knees I'm, hurt like crazy, though. <laughs> I'm out of breath just thinking about playing basketball, so hey, that's where I'm at. With us. I would love um, to. I, didn't, I, I only made like three shots, though. It was a bit of a bummer. My shot Are you not off. playing a lot of hoops in uh, New Zealand? You know, I was able to play a little bit because we are uh, in, in the city that we're staying in Auckland. They're, we're next to the University of Auckland. And oh, they nice. Have t yeah, they have courts there and stuff, so we're able to play on wood, which is great because normally in LA, I play on like cement, and that hurts. The outdoor court. Outdoor yeah. courts, yeah. Production-wise, what I can tell you is that Everyone on the cast so far, they're all legends. Um, I know. The cast is insanity. Like, if you don't know who's... Run down some of the people in the movie. So, Mulan is being played by Leo Ife, Crystal Leo, or, or Ife, or Cece. There's a lot of different names that she has. She's a very well-known actress from China who's... Uh, her nickname is The Fairy Sister because she was in a sort of a remake of a very famous movie. And, and she's very much adored and loved by the youth in China as well. Um, Donnie Yen, Ip Man... Uh, Rogue One. Rogue One, right? Um, he is going to be playing a uh, one of the main characters, as well as Jet Li. You don't even have to say what Jet Li was in. Yeah, but he's going to be the Emperor Gong Li, who's one of Ch uh, China's most famous actresses. I, I I personally think she's like the Angelina in terms of fame. She's in a, so much stuff. Yeah, she was in Raise the Red Lantern, which is a really famous Chinese movie as well. Uh, and then we have Jason Scott Lee, who was. Uh, a lot of classic American cinema people will know this. He played Bruce Lee in Dragon. The Bruce Lee story. Bruce yeah. Lee story. He was so yeah. good in that. Yeah, he was awesome in that. Lives he in was... Hawaii now, you told me. Yeah, he's a Hawaii boy. I like um, that guy a lot. Yeah, he's really cool. Uh, and it's great because they all have, you know, when you get all these people in the same room, the accumulation of, of stories that they have from, you know, what feels like 200 years of experience in L.A., um, Jason Scott Lee, his other favorite credit is he was, I believe, the older brother in, in um, Lilo and Stitch. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was. He was yeah. the, did the fire dance yeah, and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I worked that on that movie. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Ah, very nice. That's my that's my line, but it's true. Any movie. Except Mulan. I never worked on Mulan. I worked on so many Disney movies. I've seen it. Maybe you can work on this one. Maybe. You guys need a trailer Someone, editor? Uh... Josh's like, oh, I, I, um, no, 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 not for me, not for me. Um, we're filming out over in New Zealand. Um, I'm personally going to be there probably through the end of the year or so. So we'll, we'll, I'll be back as soon as I can, but I just happen to have a little bit of a respite of breath to come back to LA and film as much as I could now that I was here uh, before I fly back. Well, we're all super proud of you, man. It's funny throughout the magic community, it feels like you're like the, you're like the son, <laughs> you know, the, we're the proud parents. Like the entire magic Aww. community is like, did you hear about Jimmy? Yeah. He's in a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, I think we're all very proud of you. Everyone I talk to is so happy about it and so proud of you. It's like one of our own is like in our, you know, in our name, is doing something really cool so yeah it feels really awesome um and I've, I've been able to play some magic out there as well uh if you guys know i do a little bit of streaming on facebook uh we'll include the link somewhere but i've been playing magic arena as well as we are doing chaos drafting on moto for a while um i post on the command zone facebook as well so we've had a lot of our our viewers and stuff pop in and ask me questions the number one question is what do you think about c18 and i was like well i haven't really been able to play it so no real opinion here 
Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, make I try sure... and pop in there when I can, but you're on New Zealand time, so sometimes yeah, it's, it's tough. it's a little bit later. Um, so I'm I'm gonna try and hopefully shift it a little earlier when I can. But given the schedule that I'm on, it's gonna be, it's always gonna be up in the air. But yeah, make sure you guys follow me if you want to watch me watch me play some Magic, and maybe Josh it sometime too. Yeah, it'll be fun. Okay, to the listeners, we just did a Q and A episode, and we're always looking for more questions, more topic ideas in the comments, Twitter, email us, whatever you got. If you have something about the commander format, magic in general, anything at all, really. And, you know, microphones we covered in this episode. So if you have a question or a topic idea, please send it our way. We're always looking for, you know, things that you guys want to hear us talk about on the show. And we'll tackle those in a future episode. Oh, and- notably, sorry. Yeah. If you guys have a question and you don't want to wait for it to appear in the Q&A episode, if you're a patron, there's an access to a special Patreon-only email that we answer those questions usually within a couple of days if we can. Um, and we always get back to those guys first. So if you send us a message on Patreon, if you're a patron, that's a really easy way to get our ear. Uh, the only thing that we can't really do is look at deck lists because that takes a lot more time and effort to like look through and figure out what's going on. So just general questions like what you guys heard today, we'll do that all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can send us deck lists, but no promise we'll ever have time to look at i'm sorry it just takes a really long time to look at a deck list it's a lot to process give any kind of useful feedback it's like because you got to look at every card and consider what exactly the deck wants to do and counting how many things if yeah edh rec is better at deck list than when i'm facing down like 50 different emails i need to respond to and i open (laughs) the deck list up i'm just like not today yeah But if you have a cool deck list and you're looking to add cards to it and you find some cool cards on maybe edhrec.com or something, what you should do is go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and use that affiliate link to order the cards or Guilds of Ravnica coming very soon. You can pre-order right now, again, using that affiliate link. And you're simultaneously getting the cards you want and need for your decks and supporting content that you enjoy, like this podcast and Game Nights. And we super appreciate it. We do. And, of course, the other way to support the show is with Ultra Pro product. Ultra Pro, they've been sponsoring Game Nights and this show for quite a while now. These playmats in front of us wouldn't exist for them. They have these awesome new sleeves, which I am definitely using if I can get to the pre-release over in New Zealand. That'd be really, really awesome. We'll see if I can get to a card shop and play some. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you some. Yeah, remind Ooh. me. We'll grab some sleeves because we have some. Perfect. And we also give away uh, stuff at the end of every game night. So some of the sleeves will be in there too. By the way, uh, there is a survey online asking what guild you are. Oh, yeah. And you can answer some questions. I took it. I got Golgari. I, I would not have predicted that. You sound disappointed. Well, not just sound. You look disappointed. I don't know by why it. I got Golgari. I didn't even have blue or red in there. It was black and green. <laughs> I do find that I often draft Golgari, though, without realizing yeah. it. Because I like, I'm just like, well, that's a big creature. Yep. That's a well-costed creature. And you're creature. like, well, that kills something. That's removal, yeah. yeah. So. I got Is It. But my favorite part about it was, like, at the bottom, it said, you would, you might also do well in Simic. <laughs> and if you know, Guilds of Ravnica, it only has five of the guilds in it. In uh, Ravnica Allegiance, which is the next set after this, mm-hmm. will be the other five guilds. So Simic's not even, an, I don't think, an option for a guild you could like that it could tell you it yeah. was going to tell you one of the five guilds so i'm glad i'm happy yeah i'm, I'm not disappointed a, like jimmy i'm just a thug a golgari thug <laughs> you have good recursion yeah i guess <laughs> you're all like down in the dumps about it just, i don't even have a golgari edh deck man <laughs> maybe you of, should it's trying to tell you it's trying to reveal your inner self to you what golgari deck should i build let me know don't say marin Pick don't a different yeah one. don't say marin don't say gerard Okay. Well, Gerard's I, actually kind of cool, but don't say it. There is a cool new Golgari commander in Guilds of Ravnica that I can't talk about yet, but there is one. Oh, oh there's also Slimefoot that came out in Dominaria. Oh, yeah. I That's a cool one. Yeah. All right. Time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic, even though we just spent a lot of time talking about something cool outside the world of magic. Indeed. But got... I'm in the world of magic, and I'm in it, so maybe it's not outside true, the world of magic anymore. True, um, Do you have anything cool? Uh, watch my stream. You should watch Jimmy's stream because it's inside the world of magic. I'm trying to think. I feel like... Uh, nope, that's inside the world of magic. <laughs> I was going to talk about PAX. Oh, PAX is great. So Jimmy and I were just at PAX. Uh, did you play any games there? Did you get to play anything? I got to play at the Card Kingdom events that we went to. So I got to play a little EDH. And then you got to draft a special like Ravnica throwback draft, which is kind of cool. That was fun. Yeah. How'd you do? Uh, well, I only played two of the games, but I won them both. And then I gave all my cards to the guy I was playing in the second game. I was like, nice. I'm tired. Because it was the same night as the panel. And mm-hmm, I was... Mm-hmm. I was I Which, host- by the way, Josh hosted the panel for the Guilds of Ravnica uh, sort of premiere event there, and it was great. 
did a great job. I was very we proud of you. We got to preview some cards. Thank you. I learned everything. It's funny because you were on stage two years ago for the yes, Kaladesh thing. Kaladesh. That was a bigger deal. They had ran out of stage. It was just you on a stage. That was crazy. There was like a thousand people out there. I a lot had like of rehearsals for that. A few hundred people out there, and I was on stage with multiple people at like a panel. But it's kind of funny how we've come, right? How yeah. far we've come? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a blast. We and, get, and we get to be representatives of the game we love. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was going to say, did you actually go into the convention center packs, though? I did. I, did I you usually play anything do, in there? No, I usually do, like, one walkthrough, yeah. and I see the lines, and I'm never happy about waiting in lines in general. So I just kind of, like, get a good scope of what everyone's showing off. And I usually go to E3 as well, and so a lot of this stuff is very similar. But it's always cool to see the indie game section. That's, like, my favorite part of packs. There's all of these developers that are just making these games, and they have two people at the company working on a small booth. But, you know, it's a great way because tons of people filter through there and see what everyone's up to. I got to play some games. My nephew was there, and he was very much wanting to try everything. So oh, cool. I was standing in line and playing games. Do you remember what he played or what you played? Oh, um, it was him. But let's see. My favorite one that I played was Division 2. Oh, sweet. Tom Clancy's Division 2. Yeah, and I would played Division 1, and I liked that a lot. So that's what I'm going to say you should keep your eye out for. I don't think it's out quite yet. But nice. it's pretty cool, and they improved the AI a lot oh, okay. on the computer. Like, people, they'll, like, flank you and get behind you, and it kind of sucks because they're way better. Yeah, you don't they're, like that. I like killing AI, being like, sorry, AI you're used bad. used to just stand in the middle of the street, like, you yeah. know. <laughs> and now they, like, hide behind stuff and sneak up on you. They actually so, can aim. Amazing. Yeah, but it, it but it makes it a lot more fun because you're more worried about dying. So I like that. That's cool. That's the incept. Division 2. Check it out. I don't even know when it comes out at some point. Well, also, if you're around PAX, they have PAX West, PAX East, PAX South. They're everywhere. So check that out, too. All right. Something else you should check out is our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler, who just got married. Congrats. Uh, in fact, I had to miss his wedding because I was at, doing the panel that night. Mm -hmm. uh, but congratulations, Alex. And Ben Bateman, who is his partner in crime over The Masters of Modern. They talk about the modern format, all things competitive magic. They just started doing video on YouTube. Wow. So you can see full videos of them if you go to YouTube and in the search bar, just type Masters of Modern and they will yeah. pop right up. Alex also has a uh, Kickstarter out right now oh, right. for one of his board games. You guys should definitely check that out. Um, but just head on over to the Masters of Modern. Yeah, Battle know. Bosses. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It looks pretty sweet. Have you played it yet? Yeah, I played it. Um, uh, my other company is making all the animation preview graphics for the new like heroes and stuff that are review being revealed. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, the game looks super fun. I haven't got a chance to play it yet, but maybe when... Maybe when Alex is back from his honeymoon or something. Yeah. Anytime a Magic player makes a game, it's going to have elements of Magic in it, and it's going to be expanded into whatever else they find interesting. And Alex is an avid gamer. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, so. you can tell when he talks about it. It kind of clicks already with your Magic part of your brain. Yeah. Um, our editors for the show, Terry Robertson and Murph. Yeah, Josh Murphy. Yeah. I got it right. I just met him for the first time today. And I, yeah, and okay. No, she didn't do any work yet. But on the next one, we're getting another name to add to the list. We're getting a lot of editors around here. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Cards animations. You can find them on Twitter at Living Cards MTG, or just watch the video versions to see it pop up very soon. All right, everybody. <laughs> Jimmy, let me say for everybody out there, thanks for coming back. Yeah, I'll hopefully be back for one more episode, uh, and then maybe we'll Skype in or find something to do. I won't be able to Skype into a Game Nights episode, although that'd be pretty sweet. Like, have an iPad right here with my face on it. Oh, yeah, one of those ones on the yeah, wheels low, that low. Like, comes up. And it'd be Somebody like... Somebody else has your hands here. You're like, hey, tap this. Yeah. But I'm literally like, I need to go to the bathroom. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> and just leave. Uh, the director editor and me, that's a nightmare. We're not yeah. doing that, unfortunately. But when you get back... Okay, I'm down. Then we'll have that Patreon episode. Sweet. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>